Welcome to the Coffee Clats Crew House of the Dragon Season 1 Bonus. I'm Jason Pistorino. I'm Christina Lomangino. There was so much to this season. We had so many things that we wanted to say about it that we could not fit into the finale episode, especially considering our format this season that we covered two episodes at a time. So we decided we would save all the fun stuff for a bonus episode, meaning I hope you're tuning in. We're going to briefly at the top talk about how this season was received, the viewership, the budget, our overall thoughts. We're going to discuss some of our favorite moments. Then we'll get into our counts, the death count of who we lost, and the dragon count. We promised this from last time. Who has what on the greens and the blacks? Jason, we will have our favorite moment, our summary showdown for this season, where we read out everything we've compiled from the episodes up until now. And I am so excited because when we did this for Westworld, I had your position, the first and last line of every episode. It was not great. I was very envious. (laughs) So I am excited that we got to flip-flop. I think this is a good format for the future. All that to say, I think my summary is going to be awesome. And then we'll talk about our overall season ratings season MVB, and what's coming in the future, our predictions, season two news thus far. So let's kick this off by saying that the critics talked about season one. There's a lot out there. They said, quote, covering an era of tenuous peace with ferocious, albeit abbreviated, focus, House of the Dragon is an impressive prequel that exemplifies the court intrigue that distinguished its predecessor. I looked back, we talked coming into this season about things we were nervous about, things Game of Thrones did well that we weren't sure was going to be incorporated here. One of our joint concerns was that we didn't have a lot of immediately likable characters that you could root for and want to see flourish, such as the Starks in season one of Game of Thrones. It was really easy to say, well, these are good people. We can get behind them. In this story, everyone is very, very gray, including most of our Targaryens. Or they're straight up villains. They're bad people. Now, don't get me wrong. I didn't mind that. We knew there'd be a lot of great characters because that's Game of Thrones. But we still had people to root for. And in the beginning, I had nobody. That was a struggle for a few episodes. But something I think they did very well over the rest of the season, I absolutely came to enjoy Damon for reasons that I still could not explain even to myself. (laughs) I loved Viserys so much more than I thought I would. There were so many things to dislike about him and be frustrated with, but I thought his character was extremely well-written. Patty Considine performed it so well. I'm really going to miss having him on the show. I mean, we will talk about our ultimate MVBs when we get to that point. I was also particularly concerned that there was no bigger looming threat to eventually join our forces or ally against as a villain, such as the Long Night, the White Walkers, Mm. this looming existential threat we had. Now, Turns out, to my great surprise and delight, part of the way through this season, they do introduce some lore that ties this back to the Game of Thrones universe, explains why Viserys thinks a Targaryen needs to be sitting the Iron Throne. But also, what we're learning with not having the White Walkers immediately evident, our biggest demons are ourselves. And I knew that would be here. We also discussed that, how there was such a split in what drew people to the Game of Thrones story. Most enjoyed both aspects, but you were really there for one or the other. You wanted the high fantasy, the supernatural elements, the magic and lore, the White Walkers, the prince that was promised, Mm. tales, everything that came along with that. Or you wanted the real life, political intrigues, people in rooms plotting and talking about things. I was always more heavy on the first, 
the fantasy element of it. And I was nervous coming into this story. We're not going to have any of that. How much am I going to enjoy when it's only the second part? It turns out there was a lot more here to like than I thought. I am still missing some of those elements. I am thrilled when they do come in and I'm thrilled when we get to see the one huge element we have here, which is the dragons. Yes. But also season two, I'm hoping they bring in the north and we get to see some dire wolves. Well, I don't know if we'll actually see dire wolves, but we're definitely going to see Starks, so that's exciting. Oh yeah, they got it. They got to give us some dire wolves. Come on. You see him trotting alongside Craigan? Hell yeah. <laughs> or riding them. Cuz dire wolves were bigger back then too. I made that up. Yeah, I don't think they ever I rode made them, that up. but that would be fun. <laughs> like He-Man. You ever see He-Man? No. Oh. I okay. never did. Something we brought up throughout was also, you know, there's not a ton of reprieve in this story. They don't have the comic relief elements or the funny characters. Come on. Your Tyrion quips, your brawn type people to lighten it up a bit. Even the hound, some of the things that he used to say. Hell yeah. I'll eat every fucking chicken in this place. (laughs) What about Oberyn? He was funny at times. Yeah, somebody who is a little bit more intriguing. Now, that we did get some of, and I think this is why we love Damon so much, some mm. of the sarcastic, wry humor. Mm-hmm. Just a really big character who does what he wants. And then the last thing was about the time jumps. And I feel split to good about how it was handled. I don't take all my criticisms off the table that the pacing of it still winds up being a little odd for me at the end. Mm -hmm. Either we did too much or too little Mm -hmm. as far as fleshing out this backstory, becoming attached to people we won't 100% get to know or understand with some aspects of that, such as everything that was going on with Viserys and his relationship with Damon, I am so thankful for. With others that I think they tried to build up more, such as the childhood relationship between Rhaenyra and Alicent, while it got a ton of screen time, I don't know that it always landed to flesh out this emotional attachment that's now going to be torn apart later. But I do think they did a wonderful job of showing how it's transmitted intergenerationally down to their children and that the sins of the past just keep following us and dooming us to repeat patterns, which makes... Something like the future Game of Thrones and breaking the wheel that Danny did, that much more meaningful in my mind. Yeah, before she went mad. I hated the way they ended her character. Yeah, and I don't want to get totally into that, but I do think some of this connection helps me to make sense more of the original story. Sure. And appreciate some of the elements more. Uh, did you read George R. R. Martin said he's about 75% done with this book. How long has Wynn's been about 75% done there, Georgie? I predict it's going to be a bigger (laughs) book than all my others. I'm so, you know what, dude? At this point, have some friends come over and help you. Fans? Anybody? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Back to House of the Dragon. We are getting some figures in. We had heard them throughout the season, but the overall production budget for season one was nearly 200 million. That's under $20 million per episode. Now, we know it's not always split that evenly, but huge numbers. Yeah, I'm telling you, the last two episodes cost the most. Also, the day after the series premiere, HBO said episode one had been viewed by an estimated 10 million viewers in the U.S. on its first night, including linear viewers and streams on HBO Max, which they said was the largest single-day viewership for a series debut in their history. Amazing. It's probably more than... No, I was... I don't know the numbers, and if I say this wrong, I will get chastised. (laughs) When renewing the show for a second season, four days later, we talked about how quickly on the heels that came in. 
The network said the episode had been watched by over 20 million. That was the shift within four days. The fact that they waited so long, even though it doesn't sound seem like they waited so long, but because of that, we're going to have to wait too. We were always going to have to wait. I mean, early 2024 is probably what I would have anticipated, especially if we do wind up getting another show such as this Jon Snow prequel in the meantime. Right. Yeah, I but that's going to be a different team, different crew. That's why I'm excited for it. Oh, for sure. But HBO didn't know if this would be a knockout. You know, it might have premiered and a lot of people watched, but then everyone hated it and it's not Game of Thrones and it's the worst thing ever. So they had to wait to see what the reception was. But if they knew, just like the ending halves of Game of Thrones where they knew, like, we could just keep freaking sending these out. People are going to love it. They probably would have done, just continued going. Oh, of course, but I think it's smart. People had such mixed opinions coming out of Game of Thrones. So much time Mm -hmm. has passed now. Everybody went in a bit wary, not knowing what to expect. And I think what I'm saying is where I land. I wanted this show to be successful, so it would open up possibilities of the Game of Thrones universe for the future. It's not that I am so intimately tied to, I need more House of the Dragon and this story. I like it, Mm -hmm. but I'm more excited of what this could bring in the future for this whole thing we have going on, not just the Targaryen story. Uh, You like it a lot. When we go over the scores, you liked it. That's what I mean. I'm not saying I don't like it, but there's other things I've said from the beginning. I've wanted more. Yeah. I'll never stop hoping that they cover. And the more things like this that do well, the more I think there's possibility for that. Anyhow, coming back to their numbers here, the finale of the first season was watched by 9.3 million million viewers. So that's almost as much as the premiere to retain that. It's amazing. Also considering that people don't do appointment viewing anymore. If we weren't covering it, we probably wouldn't have watched it Sunday nights. Those are hard nights for us. We got to get up early for work. We would have watched it later. Yeah, that's true. It did make it challenging, but it was part of what made Game of Thrones so thrilling. That was one of the last times we had huge appointment viewing TV and it brought such a fan base together in a way that you can't get with streaming shows. Correct. So I'm glad they were successful. I had a great time with this season. I think let's just relive some of the fun for a moment before we get into our facts and talk about a few of our favorite moments. We'll say that we started off the season learning as the first century of the Targaryen dynasty came to a close, the health of the old King Jaehaerys was failing. We set the scene here by learning that House Targaryen was at the height of its strength with 10 adult dragons. That's important to remember when we get to our dragon count later. They had experienced 60 years of peace and prosperity until tragedy claimed both of Jaehaerys' sons. So in the year 101, he called the Great Council to choose an heir and try to prevent a war. That's how we wound up at our season opener, the ninth year of King Viserys' reign. That would be 172 years before the death of the Mad King Ares. And they would introduce to us what Viserys had been trying to hold on to desperately in his kingdom, how that's going to start shifting over the course of our 10 episodes, and how it allows for a sort of crack to begin forming that's going to go grow so wide by the end that we have two factions. Yeah, that table in the last episode, that was a polished, even table. And those cracks grew as... Sorry, the horrible joke. I'm sorry. <laughs> Idiot! So, 
I'll start this off by saying that one of my favorite moments was in our season opener, episode one, Heirs of the Dragon, where you see kind of the start of all of this is losing Queen Emma, mm. the series wife. Yeah, that was a good scene. And you knew it was important, but not exactly how much until now that the season is done. Yeah. And when you lose him, his final words being, we think, seeing her, mm-hmm. saying my love. Uh, but the funeral that they had there, again, introducing us to Targaryen customs, what things are like that we hadn't seen before, where eventually Rhaenyra has her dragon, Tracarys, and we see fires incorporated into all of these rites. It's a very beautiful moment. I love the juxtaposition between the different kinds of funerals, which we spoke about. Mm. But I do recall in that first episode, we talked about how much intrigue we had in his wife, in that character and that actress. And then we lost her so quickly. I was the first one that (laughs) would become a pattern along the way. But yeah, all of their rituals, funerals, but also weddings, because that is really cool to see. The moment between Rhaenyra and Daemon later on when they're having their real Targaryen wedding. I'd love to have a small wedding like that, but on a cliff. Our parents are getting older. We'd have to Skype them in. (laughs) No. You're not going on a cliff. (laughs) No, we can't do that. So let me come over to you. What was one of your favorites? Oh, you know what? You would think I'd say the dragon fight. Or you would think I'd say the uh, scene in the second to last episode. But no, my favorite was right before the said wedding when an adult Rhaenyra is talking to Damon and they start to plan their future together and plan the death of her husband, Lenor. And the way they filmed that mm. um, and the little bit of a surprise there, I thought that was so brilliant. And that made me cheer for good TV. You know, like that feeling like, yes, I haven't had that feeling in so long. That was my favorite scene. That was incredible. Well, I want to make a point to say that my last one, that was my first. It was not my ultimate favorite moment of the season. My ultimate favorite moment was Viserys walking to the throne for the last time. Oh, that was good. To announce, hey, Luke is still heir to Driftmark. Rhaenyra is still my heir. I don't know what's going on here. I'm half dead, but I'm going to make this happen for me to get to this throne because stuff's all going to hell and I need to try to fix it. That was a good scene. I think, for me, it was devalued greatly with the fact that uh, one scene later, they had to write in a way to make the wife think that it was her son. Because it kind of just put the kibosh. Ran together. Yeah. Yeah, but for their little run here between him making that walk out, the moment between him and Damon helping him up when he stumbles, then Damon taking off Damon's head... Oh, I love that scene. Just like a couple of, in really quick succession, amazing moments. I love that scene. I love the scene with Lord Corlys when he comes down, tests Rhaenyras a Mm. little bit, but then claims his support to them. Yeah. And then goes, now while I almost died, I did pull off something pretty fantastic. Mm -hmm. And you're going to love this. Um, I love that scene. You know what would have been one of my favorite scenes? If If it existed, it doesn't. Probably because it would be so much money and so hard to pull off. But you want us to fall in love with these dragons? Which, granted, it's not going to be hard for me. But if they had scenes of the younger Targaryens training with the dragons and seeing them kind of like mess with each other a little bit, maybe, you know, a montage, the, the literal montage of like they both suck and they're not coalescing and then all of a sudden they're getting better and better. To the point where there's a 
there's a point where the dragon like nudges the kid and pushes him over for fun, you know? And then I'll be like, oh, I love that dragon, you know? We did talk about wanting some more moments sprinkled throughout where we'd get to know the dragons a little more, their personalities, how the Targaryens interact with them. Mm-hmm. The ones we got, such as Aemon stealing Vagar and learning to ride him. And how about the moment with Damon where he in the finale, maybe tames Vermithor. Yeah. I mean, they're spectacular. We just, I think, needed a little bit more. But speaking of favorites and visually, any shot they showed us of the painted table this season and seeing it lit up from underneath, all the shots of Viserys' models of Valyria that he's working on, Mm -hmm. uh, just so cool. Give me more of that. Very cool. I love little models because I love to pretend... Ever since I was a kid, like mentally pretend I could shrink down and go in there. Mm-hmm. Um, real quick, I just realized what I was describing with the dragon and the montage was pretty much how to train a dragon. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but I don't know if you saw, and Clatchers, I don't know if you saw. This is why you should be following us over at Twitter, at CKC Podcast. Uh, shot for shot of the final fight with Big Daddy Dragon and Little Baby Dragon, where Baby Dragon gets annihilated. The director... Greg Yaitanis said that the dragon fight was inspired by How to Train Your Dragon. But uh, there's inspiration, and then there's almost beat for beat. (laughs) And it's pretty beat for beat. I had heard about this, but it does go to show what you're describing wanting. might sound silly, and it's like, well, we're not doing that kind of show. But you can take those elements and make it darker, such as they did with that. Mm -hmm. Giving us a view at these dragons being creatures unto themselves. Anytime that happened in Game of Thrones... The season finale, when Drogon decides to torch the throne, and you're wondering if he has ideas about this himself. Oh, yes. Uh, it's just, yeah, it makes us care a lot more. So any other favorite things before we move on? I love the foot scene. Oh, no. I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, you definitely, you, you said the cutting off the head. That was amazing. Um, the wedding scene. Mm-hmm. The tension it built. I thought that was so well done. They do that so good. Yeah, the Red Wedding Part 2, it was definitely a spectacular episode. It was no Red Wedding, but nothing is Red Wedding. It's Part (laughs) 2. It's the follow-up. You know what? I really enjoyed the scene where Eric came in and knelt with the crown. I was like, fuck yeah, man. Spectacular scene. Really, His speech, listening to it again, the clip that we have on our podcast, Mm. really good. Really well done. Um, and not to mention another dragon scene where Rhaenys comes out from the ground with her dragon. On Maylis. Yeah. Yeah. It just, next time, just say, whisper, Vagarin. <laughs> just a little, just a just little, little bit. Burp on them. <laughs> oh, okay. So let's continue along to our death count. Now, I... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. <laughs> yeah, so I have 16. I don't know if I got everyone, and there might be some smaller ones, but the big ones that I sure. could remember. Yeah, we don't count the extras. You know, the first battle with Damon and the Triarchy. Oh, a lot of people died. Mm-hmm. So we're not counting those. All the small folk at the pronouncement of oh yeah when Maylis breaks through the floor. <laughs> yeah, but big ones. We start off with Queen Emma, of course, and that child who reigned for a day, according to Damon Balon, the crab feeder. Yep. Lady Rhea Royce. Damon's first wife. Joffrey Lonmouth, Lenor's boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, Horrible death. Douchebag's first uh, victim. Horrible death. You know, I was liking him, Kristen, until this, you know, and then he just really fell off from our friendship. <laughs> I don't text him anymore. 
then you've got Lena and Damon's child, which very quickly after leads to Lena's death. Yeah. Oh, that's a good scene. By Dragon. Can't believe I forgot about that one. That was a good scene. That's one of my favorites. Also, she was one of my favorites. That's what sucks, man. I really liked her on screen. Going through this, you're like, wow, that's a lot of people in quick succession. Guaranteed she would have known how to fly that dragon. How about the two strongs, Lionel and Harwin? Oh, again, characters I liked. <laughs> Vayman Valerian. <laughs> awesome to watch him go. <laughs> Head off. Maybe the hardest, Viserys himself. No, it would have been the hardest, but as the internet always says, you're dead yet? (laughs) And it was a mercy to him. We're all sort of like, please just let him go. Mm -hmm. This is horrible. But, you know, it is hard to not have him in the show. Lord Beesbury. Oh, speaking of Kristen's violent tendencies, just Mm. smashing his head into the table. Oh, man. Uh, We think Lord Caswell, who Otto had strung up following the refusal. Yeah. To swear fealty to Oh, what do you mean we think? Do you think maybe he's still alive and that's not really him? Oh, no, that I just wasn't 100% if that was Lord oh, Caswell. Got, uh Rhaenyra's baby. Mm-hmm. And her son, Luke, and the dragon, Arax. <sighs> Am I missing anyone major? No, but you did just remind me something. This is really coffee break fodder. You know the show I watched, The Witcher? Mm-hmm. So the season three is still going to have Henry Cavill as Geralt, uh, but he's leaving season four, and we're going to have a Hemsworth. Which one? Well, not Luke Hemsworth. <laughs> Liam. Oh, and that's my Hemsworth. Yeah, but I don't know if he can do... Uh, I don't think he's been given enough opportunities, to be honest with you. I would be excited. So there's a few reasons why Cavill might not be doing it. One, because he's, he's going to be Superman again. He's kicking ass. He's got all these great, amazing roles because he's awesome. Uh, they did kick him out of Superman, and then they asked him back. They were like, yeah, my bad. Actually, you're awesome. Everyone loves you. Come back. Come, come back. But also, he is a nerd. He builds PCs. He plays video games. And he played The Witcher. And he read the books. And he loved the content. And if you're a watcher like me, I watch it just because of that same love, but they're they're dropping the ball. Mm. And I think after season three, I think it got worse. And he was like, guys, I'm out. I can't do this. You're doing it wrong. Anyways, there you go. There's a coffee break, mini coffee break for you. Well, let's get into our dragon count. I know we said we were really going to run this down. We'll talk about it to the best of our ability. I want to reiterate that we are not book readers. We don't have this knowledge from Fire and Blood. But we looked into, it's probably easier to start with Team Green, because we're going to break this down with each team who has what dragons. Are they Team Green because they've always been green with envy? Because, <laughs> you know, yeah, I would say so. They have three adult dragons of varying ages, but Damon tells us that pretty clearly within the episode. Those three include Vagar, obviously, the biggest and scariest that we see Aemond. I don't blame him. Flying. He is quite old. I mean, 130 years old, roughly. So he, listen, this dragon, you know, he's one of those really old people, like 90, who are still driving and that, that just drive through the red light. And you're just, you can't be mad at them. You're like, ah, just go, man. You're friggin' ancient. That's the same thing that happened. He went through the red light. Yeah, he is the largest of all the dragons, 492 feet to be exact. Once ridden by Visenya Targaryen when she and her brothers conquered the Seven Kingdoms, then passed to Lena 
And we saw how that went after Lena's death with Aemon stealing her. Okay, one thing we don't think about, but we got a glimpse of it in Game of Thrones. The logistics of having this. You know when uh, a kid says, I want a pony, and the father's like, do you understand? What were you eating? You Keep, feed. Feed. You understand <laughs> like... what entails that? Okay, so I want a dragon. Okay. Do you understand how many freaking lambs, how many sheep we need to buy? <laughs> this dragon is almost 500 feet. Where are we going to keep <laughs> you know them? We need sheep? to build a dragon pit under King's Landing. We criticized them, but what else were they supposed to do? You ever see uh, an elephant eat? Elephant's a lot smaller. Also, I just want to put into perspective, okay, uh, 492 feet. We know that's a lot, but you can't really visualize it. A football field is 100 yards. 492 feet is 164 yards. So it's more than a football field and a half for a dragon. And I think that really came home when we saw her rise up in the background behind Arax <laughs> before that chase fight death scene took place. Uh, let me give you one more example. A 747, those big ass airplanes that you fly, commercial, international, I'm talking about the big ones. That's 250 feet. Now, I have to warn you, we don't have sizes on any of the others. We have comparisons to, you know, like roughly bigger or smaller, but that's the only one we have in feet. Anyhow, Team Green, that's their first. Their other two are adult dragons, okay? So they are grown. They're not as big as Vagar. Right. That's Sunfire, Aegon's, our new king. Cool name. Bright gold with pink wings. And Dreamfire. His sister wife, Helena's dragon, pale blue. Okay, so that's it. That's what Team Green's got. Ready to move on to Team Black? Yes, but here's the thing. Clatchers, don't get excited. I want to get excited. I want to be like, look at our team. Look at your team, bitch. But the reality is, it's not going to turn out good for any of us. It, it won't. And a lot any of teams. them are going to die. However, I do still think the odds are stacked in our favor, particularly with that scene with Damon later. But let's not get to those in question yet. Let's first talk about Team Black who we know we have. You have one old dragon, like in the realm of Vagar, not even close to his size, but that's Rainy's dragon, Maylis. He's yeah. an older adult dragon. Yeah, okay. Rhaenyra's yeah. and Daemon's are middle adult. Maylis is an older adult. Uh, yeah, that was a big dragon, mm -hmm. but... It's not Vagar. Vagar wouldn't have been able to fit in that building. No, but I, I think he would... He's the only one on their team, definitively, that would give him a run, is what I'm thinking, size-wise. And we also have to remember that size impacts things. We did hear that Vagar is slower because of her size. Melis is known for being one of the fastest dragons, despite the awesome. fact that he, she, I don't know, Melis, um, is know. getting on in age. Very, very swift dragon. Do you think dragons are like birds? Uh, new Clatchers, we have a bird. We talked about him a hundred times, never introduced him. Achilles. Um, you can't tell if they're male or female without a blood. I wonder if that's the case with dragons. Oh, probably. And I'm sorry, Melis is a female because she's called the Red Queen. I knew that. Come on, Jay. <laughs> Get on your game. All right. So our first on this team that is older. Then, as we mentioned, we have three that are sort of middle adulthood, if you will. Rhaenyra's, Cyrax. He's got some pep in his step, and he's pissed off. Uh, Cyrax has some, I don't know, there's something to his look that to me is a little more fierce than Caraxes. Even though Caraxes is slightly larger, that's Daemon's dragon, 
we've been saying there's something long and serpentine and sort yeah. of strange about Caraxes, whereas Syrax's face to me looks pretty badass. Yeah. Uh, but they're both roughly the same size. Syrax is gold. Caraxes is red. And then we have Lenor's former dragon, Sea Smoke, who is also an adult gray. We don't know Sea Smoke's allegiance, as we discussed before, now that Lenor is gone. Does the dragon know that? Would it ever bond to somebody new? Will Lenor come back at some point to ride? Like, that's still kind of a question mark. If and when he does, probably not season two. We're going to cheer. So that's not definitive. We have three so far. We just lost Arax, deceased. So who else? We have two young dragons. Jace, who rides Vermax, probably around Arax's size. Bela, who rides Moondancer that we haven't seen. And then we're talking baby, baby dragon, young Joffrey's Taraxes, which is like a joke. That's not, Taraxes isn't coming into battle. No. So three adult-sized, two young, one unknown. And then there are two other contenders that I need to mention. One in a big way is Vermithor that we yeah. saw Damon trying to, Singing to sing to submission. Well, he's not dead, so I think he got him on the... A Vermithor is Vagar's size, roughly, mm-hmm. is an old, more battle-tested dragon. And a hundred years ago, Vagar took Vermithor's girlfriend. So they really hate each other. Well, no. But Vermithor was ridden by King Jaehaerys, Viserys' predecessor. Oh, nice. Okay. Now, I mean, King Jaehaerys the Peaceful, I don't know... <laughs> how much <laughs> he was putting Vermithor to the test, but this could speak well of Vermithor allowing a new rider such as Damon. And that's really going to help us if we have anything that can challenge Vagar's size. And then there is Silverwing, another old dragon, the former dragon of Queen Alisande, Jaehaerys' wife, sister wife. Unlike Vermithor, Silverwing was considered friendlier and more docile by dragon standards. So if we can get Vermithor, I'm thinking we could definitely get Silverwing. And now we have two old dragons. Yeah, but Silverwing Silver doesn't sound like a fighter. Uh, neither really seem like fighters. But again, if you're going up against the size of Vagar and you have nothing else, if we could get these two... To sandwich I Vagar. think that would be very helpful. And I think those are likely because the last ones we're going to talk about are three wild dragons. Now, when you think of wild dragons... Think of wild horses. They're very skittish. They do not like interaction. You get close, they run away, or you get too close, they're going to buck you, and you're going to get hit, you're going to get hurt. Yeah, I don't think there's a way we are getting these on our team as something we could actually utilize as a weapon. If anybody rides them, it's going to be very unpredictable, but we have to mention them, right? So there's Cannibal, Sheep Stealer, and Grey Ghost. Narrative-wise, it'd be amazing if they get them on their side, but no one can ride them. So they're fighting with them, but without a rider. That Mm -hmm. would kind of make sense, and it would be kind of cool. It'd be another dimension to it. And not to mention two other dragons, but they're not going to come into play. And that's two dragons that Damon did mention. They're eggs at this point. Yeah. So, I mean, eggs I'm not mentioning because if wilds don't count, eggs definitely don't count. We don't have enough time here. So we're talking three adults for Team Green, one old, two maybe three adults, two young for Team Black, with two old potentials and three wild. 
That means we definitely have five. We could have seven. He counted 13. Yeah, he's counting everyone. That's what I mean. So we have to go Uh, by our count, not demons. But a brief note on those wild ones. Cannibal got its name for being one of the largest dragons. So that is in favor. However, he ate dragons and dragon eggs. There you go, cannibal. And this is not really, I think, a dragon you want on your team. Was also thought too wild to ever be tamed. Sheep Stealer earned himself a bad reputation among the small folk for devouring sheep. We don't know a lot else about him. And Grey Ghost, a very shy dragon emerging from his lair just once every few years. He's like Eeyore. Yeah, I really don't... I gotta go out now and eat. I don't think we can count these dragons. I think we have to feel pretty promising about Vermithor and Silverwing and the potential of somebody riding Lenor's Sea Smoke. And that would definitely still put us with the odds way stacked in Team Black's favor. I thought this was really interesting. We heard in this season, Viserys telling us early on, without our dragons, we're just like everyone else. But it is an illusion that we can control the dragons. They are pure power. A Targaryen must understand this to be king or queen. Not something I think Daemon understands at all (laughs) right now. I'm sure that's going to be an element coming into this season. I think Rhaenyra got it a little bit more, but since what's just happened to Luke, I think she's going to have a much different outlook or perspective on this. Oh, yeah. She's going to be like, you know what? Let's fight. Oh, let's fight. But I think she'll also have a fear of the dragons that she did not before, at least if she hears the story about how this went down, which who knows if she will. But Who knows if anyone saw it? We'll get to speculating and predictions in a little bit. That's going to wrap up our dragon count. The next thing we have to do is have our showdown. So it's time, Jason. Are you ready for one last? Summary <laughs> All right. Who should go first? Let me go first because mine suck. <laughs> All right. So just one last reminder. I was tasked with the first line of the episode and the last line. And every so often, we were allotted two sentences. If it was sort of like combined or to cut out a section if it didn't fit, you know, we had to make it work. But we're going to read these out. The ultimate goal is to see who describes the season better, if you could get a feel for what it is based on this synopsis. Christina's going to (laughs) win. All right. So what I'm going to do is read it all through episode one through ten. As the first century of the Targaryen dynasty came to a close, the health of the old King Jaehaerys was failing. I do hereby name Rhaenyra Targaryen, Princess of Dragonstone, an heir to the Iron Throne. Good start. Starting off pretty strong. Good start. Sir Ryan was a strong lord commander of the Kingsguard. We are second sons. Our worth is not given. It must be made. Ah, Going into... House Valerian is coming for you. Mm Mm-hmm. I shall pray nightly to the gods for your safe return. Ooh, everything's coming back, though. It is bringing memories Hey, keep going. The Wall Blackhaven are unscalable vassal stones, and Castle is surrounded by a deep, dry moat. A tea from the king. It will rid you of any unwanted consequences. Hmm. Good morrow, Lady Rhea. What's today's quarry? Hmm. Here in the presence of gods and men, I proclaim Leonor of House Valerian and Renera of House Targaryen to be man and wife. One flesh, one heart, one soul, now and forever. Ooh. A boy, princess, praise the mother. Mm. I feel certain he will reward me when the time is right. Getting better. We join today at the seat of the sea. 
to commit the Lady Lena of House Valerian to the eternal waters, the dominion of the Merlin King, where he will guard her for all the days to come as she sets to seas for her final voyage. They will fear what else we might be capable of. Hmm. It's been near six years since I last saw my lord husband. I must know, will he live? Ah. It is true, the prince that was promised mm. to unite the realm against the cold and dark in the north. It is you. You are the one. You must do this. You sure? With his own eyes, your grace. Open the doors. Ah, oh, you're losing it. The sea snake is going to die, isn't he? No, Arax, serve me. No, Vagar, serve me. Oh, no, you lost it at the end. Yeah, and we <laughs> took out like seven no's. Yeah, you had something there it for a going, while. It was going, it was going. It was going. But, ready for this? The only thing that could tear down the house of the dragon was itself. To elude a storm, you can either sail into it or around it, but you must never await its coming. Will the realm ever accept me as their queen? From my blood come the prince that was promised, and his will be the song of ice and fire. Is it not better to live in peace than have songs sung after your death? The wise sailor flees the storm as it gathers. Fire is a prison. The sea offers an escape. The crown cannot stand strong if the house of the dragon remains divided. Set aside your grievances. It is our fate to crave always what is given to another. If one possesses a thing, the other will take it away. And dreams didn't make us kings, dragons did. Hmm. You You don't love it? I think it's closer than Westworld was. I love it. I think it's good, but I think Westworld was so out of whack. Mine was so much better. Mm -hmm. This one's closer. You win for sure, Mm -hmm. but it's closer. I love it because it starts with the house of the dragon. The only thing that could tear it down was itself. And the end being dreams didn't make us kings, dragons did. And then in the middle, we sort of have the themes of like, Rhaenyra, will the queen, will they accept me as their queen? The prince that was promised prophecies. Viserys wondering about his legacy with songs sung after his death. Rhaenyra and Daemon fire as a prison. You have like all the other big beats mm-hmm. coming in in the middle on the line. So I don't know. I, I love it. No, it's very good. Actually, <laughs> I think it's really well done. You picked the best in every episode. Well, and that was fun too. Just finding the best lines. So real quick with Clatcher's comments, we didn't get any really. Unfortunately, no one wrote back to us. But we did put out the screenshot that we talked about in last episode. With Damon. With Damon. And we pointed out his neck and we said, what is that, grayscale? And I don't know in this world, I don't know how to go viral. I didn't, wa- I didn't anticipate going viral, but I thought we could get how some kind of... How is this not huge when no one else is talking about it? And we did ask our Clatchers to retweet it. Thank you so much for retweeting it. No one did. He's there's something there. Come but on. Go to I put it on Facebook, I put it on Instagram, and it's on our Twitter. If you follow any of those, you can see it. We point to it. What do you think that is? And we did have one comment. Oh no, and the comments a misunderstanding. Because the person says, I thought it was a burn from when we saw him get hit with the arrow. Maybe they're thinking this was the picture from the battle with the crab feeder because that's when he got hit with the arrow we were talking about but look i put it in season one episode 10 the black queen we noticed damon i maybe they didn't look at that part carefully that could explain because had it been that episode i would absolutely agree we said the same thing he got hit with arrows he was dirty he was bloody everywhere this is years later it's episode 10 the season finale 
he is pristine. This is when Damon walks out onto the beach to show Luke how to deal with getting their people in line, forcing them to swear allegiance. Yeah. So uh, maybe people missed that. They didn't read through our comment. We'll keep you posted on that if we hear anything. Let's cover our season one overall ratings and MVBs. First, I'll give you an average for ratings of where we wound up at the end of the season. You're not going to believe these numbers. Averaging it out, IMDb ends up at an 8.9. That's pretty good. Rotten Tomatoes, an 88%. Ah, right there, yeah. And Jason, Mm. you and I both average to an 8.8. Look at that. Because we are... The same score. And it's it's right there with the critics as well. So, I mean, this is pretty amazing. We speak for the masses. We shall be the next king and queen. Of the, I'm just kidding. And let's give our season MVB. So, who do you think took it all for the season? Oh, you know what? I don't know. I will say... For me, it's probably Rhaenyra. I will say, it looks like I gave it to Rhaenyra three times. Once as a pairing with Damon. To Viserys twice, and to Damon twice, once as a pairing. Everyone else just got it once. You gave it to Rhaenyra five times. <laughs> but what about Damon? You only gave it to him once. I mean, but you're picking here. You don't have to do an average. You can give it to whoever oh, oh, you... Oh, I thought it was an average. No, no, no. We're picking. For the poll, we're going to have to average it because we don't have feedback from our clatchers. But this is just for you and I. Who do you name your season MBB? Oh, it's so difficult because no one's really winning at this point yet. It's not Damon. I, I love him the most. I know. I love like, him the most, but I can't. You want vote to, him. but I agree with that. It's Rhaenyra. Yeah, it's definitely got to be Rhaenyra. I mean, if <laughs> he wasn't off the board, I would love to give it to the series. He truly was my favorite character who is consistent. Yeah, but also, this is all his fault. I know. And that's okay. why I love he was so gray. And yet at the end, you wind up enjoying him so much throughout so many episodes Mm. but then he's gone so yeah i too would have to go with rhaenyra and if you do average our polls she's also the winner there with five times for our clatchers winning the polls over the course of the season nice that was uh mave in westworld but in actuality if we were not humans and we were computers the real winner is otto no no if if it was just like who in these last, what is it, 20 years or whatever, accomplished what he wanted. Right, but you're also picking one part of our definition for MVP. And everybody always gets hung up on the part that they want to choose from. So we have who won the episode, who accomplished the most, who pushed the storyline forward the most, who was your favorite this episode, who had most character building. Any of these things can contribute to your MVP. That's a piece of it. You're right. Yeah. No, I, I'm confident. Uh, F Otto. For real. <laughs> well, and we give honorable mentions to Viserys and Damon for their fun factor this entire season long. I guess we should move it to our last section, which is the future of the show. We have our predictions and then the official news on season two. Let's start off with our predictions. Firstly, we said, on a small note, that this business with Damon could go somewhere. If it winds up that he does have grayscale or something else, we have to put mm. this into predictions because nobody else is discussing it. And if it is meaningful... It might turn him more and more unpredictable, more and more ornery. 
Speaking of ornery, I also predict that the first episode of next season, we're going to see Rhaenyra make her first maybe dumb moves out of emotion yep. for finding out she loses Luke. We also, it's not really a prediction, believe that we're going to see Jace up in the north with the Starks. Do you have any idea what you think is going to happen there? No. I think Jace is going to make it out of there. Oh, yeah. He's going to be... But I don't know... He's going to be okay. When you asked me, I was like, how will the Starks be? And I'm hoping they'll be proud and morally the Starks that we know. Mm-hmm. But who knows? Hmm. It's hundreds of years. I also think that we should have a prediction on predictions. <laughs> All the things Helena has been talking about this season are going to become more prevalent next season. Mm-hmm. Hopefully somebody is going to start noticing that the things she's saying may be important. Yeah. If anyone, I would think Rhaenyra would be the one to see that. You know, it'd be really cool. A little bit of comic relief. When the dragon is parked up north, like we saw where when Jace gets off the dragon and he goes into the castle and he's talking to the king, if they show the dragon outside and then there's the direwolves and they're like playing. With the dragon? Yeah. They're like playing a cat fetch with the ball or something. Uh, that would be comic relief. Fire and ice, dear. I don't know. Like it worked with John and Danny, but. <laughs> I'm just saying like. Give us some comic I don't think it normally works that way. Three direwolves come up. It looks like it's going to be a fight. And then one direwolf noses a big ball (laughs) to the dragon. And the dragon picks it up and throws it. And then the direwolves go and run after it. No? No. I I mean, no. I'm a child. I don't think so. Can we get back to predictions? (laughs) So, one that Helena said that we haven't seen play out yet is hand turns loom, spools of green, spools of black. Dragons of flesh weaving dragons of thread. Uh, she's going to create a really awesome blanket. <laughs> well, we know this is predicting the split of the two teams, black and green, of course, that we're seeing play out here. Uh, we don't know what dragons of thread versus dragons of flesh are. A lot of dragons are going to die. And a lot of yeah. humans are going to die. It's going to be horrible. Uh, but another point on this fact that we did here. And it didn't go anywhere yet. I think it will in the future where they said that the dragons lived at the base closest to their source of magic and power. They had something called an Anagrion where the blood mages worked their craft. So there was part of this that did tie into magic. Part of things that we knew when they lived in old Valyria that have been lost. And I think you're going to hear more about that in the future. Viserys working on these models of old Valyria, the facets of the dragons that perhaps we don't remember or tie in currently, that's going to be something again. And I think that's where the magic will come back, and that will be interesting. I also predict Damon got Vermithor on their side, and they will get Silverwing as well for the ultimate battle. It's got to happen. Anything else? I don't know what to think of season two because how are they going to make a war three seasons long? Three more seasons. Um, yeah. I mean, they made The Dark Knight one episode. <laughs> the Long Night. Please don't <laughs> get me night. started Sorry. on that. Uh, I went <laughs> Batman. The Long Night one well, you're episode. You're thinking it was dark. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I'm excited. I'm happy that we have Clatcher still listening. They're going to pour more money into this because it's doing well and people love it. Mm-hmm. We're going to lose the people we love. Because it's Game of Thrones. And we're going to hate it and love it at the same time. Some of them. I don't think we strongly love too many characters yet. And I think the ones we feel that strongly about are going to make it pretty far. Like Rhaenyra and Daemon, I don't think we're losing anytime soon. No, but we're going to lose Daemon if this is Grayscale. Quote, unquote, lose Daemon 
before we well, maybe. lose Damon. Maybe, you know but I, I don't mean. think they're taking him out of the show. No, soon. it's Matt Smith. Come on. Anybody else that they could take out, I don't like love, love them yet. You know, um, yeah. the only people I could see are more Valerians, unfortunately, Corleys and Rainies. But if you take them, Valerian line is gone. Now that might happen eventually, mm-hmm. but I think it's going to take a while. I think they're also going to make it pretty far. The uh, As we predicted, the white worm is going to be more and more important. And I think she's going to be someone we root for because she's about the people. I think Lenore will come back at some point, maybe yeah. towards the end of season two. Uh, no, I think it's going to be three or three. four. Okay. Three or four, because it'll mean so much more. You're going to see um, him again. And <clears throat> I think Rhaenyra is about to die, and then he comes back. That's the only way to mm. make it impactful. They're really losing the battle at that yeah. point, and they need his help. And he's going to yell as he, he's going to be on the dragon. He's going to yell. Zig and zag. Well, and she's gonna be like, "Oh!" and then get out of there. That means Corleys and Rainies have to make it to that point to see that their son survives, because that would hold a lot more weight too. If both of them were gone, if they're gone too early, this show's gone. It's right. That's what I mean. You can't, <laughs> those are a couple key pieces that you really can't take too soon. You know what? It's turned into the kids can be taken. Well, we knew that because we didn't spend as much time getting to know yeah. them, and and that could be purposeful. For this very reason, all of the young baby dragons, we're going to lose pretty quick, the same way we saw Arax go. All right, so who are you rooting for to die? I'll start. To die? Yeah. Well, let's start with Kristen Cole. Kristen Cole, Larry Strong. Otto, please, Otto, at some point. bye-bye. All of Allison's kids. <laughs> Primarily Eamon, though. Yep. So I will cheer dangerous. out loud <laughs> when they die, each and every time. Oh, let's finish this by saying the news we actually have about season two. So co-creator Ryan Condal said season one was setting the table for a very bloody feast to come. The reason that I wanted to really spend our time doing this is because I wanted everybody to understand who all of these characters were and the long history they had behind them, behind their fathers and their grandfathers that led us to this point where they end up fighting a civil war against each other. I'm really interested in picking up with all those characters we spent time introducing, particularly Rhaenyra and Alicent's families, and seeing what happens now that we've flipped the chessboard over it and spilled the pieces on the ground. How do all of them react? That's the story we tell in season two and beyond. Another thing we do know, and we knew after episode two, but we didn't bring it up, it's a downer, is Miguel Sapochnik said he's stepping down. Yep. After three years of effort into the Game of Thrones prequel, he's going to be exiting the show after this season, so Ryan Condal will now be House of the Dragon's sole showrunner and working closely with George Martin. Also, they said season one tightly focused on just three houses, the Targaryens, Valerians, and Hightowers. But as war breaks out, more Westerosi families will get pulled into the conflict, which includes the Starks and many more families that we remember from Game of Thrones. And as you mentioned, filming is set to begin early in 2023, so we may not see season two until sometime in 2024 is what's most likely. However, at some point, we will return to this, keep you updated on the news. If we have a Jon Snow, we'll talk about it in a coffee break or more extensively somewhere. That means you're going to have to join our Patreon so that you know what's coming up next before our next free show. If you like our voices, if you like anything about us, with me I swing, sometimes I miss, but Christina's always on the ball. 
No, it's the two of us together that makes the magic, and we have even more fun on Patreon where we can let loose. Join us for $3 a month, and you can get our coffee breaks. Um, We give you a lot of fun information. We talk about the month at hand, what that month has meant over the years. We give you spoiler-free reviews. We're like your TV guide where we tell you what you should watch and what you shouldn't watch. For example, last coffee break, we gave you spoiler-free reviews for Welcome to Wrexham on Hulu. The Midnight Club on Netflix, and The Patient on Hulu. We've covered a lot, and these are mini-reviews. We have a simplified rating system, our caffeine ratings, after which when we talk about them on the coffee break, they are posted onto our website, so you can always go back and look very easily. If you're wondering what to watch, you have a ton of recommendations there. We also give free CKC gear giveaways every month. If you're curious at what we're doing, go to coffeeclatchcrew.com. Check it out. You can see Clatcher's Corner, what we're doing on Patreon. You can contact us and all the other podcasts, all the other shows we've done over the almost 10 years. For just $2 more, though, $5 a month, you also get our bonus episodes. We cover a whole range of topics, funny things like the history of profanity, serious things, mental health, Greek mythology, most popular myths and misconceptions we talked about last time. I mean, really anything you could think of that you might want to know more about, we talk about it there. And for $10 a month, you get all of that plus a movie review every month. So you join now, you have like six years worth of movie reviews. We've gone over all the Jurassic Worlds, uh, Harry Potter's. New movies, old fun throwbacks across a variety of genres. It's the only place we talk about movies. So check it out. Go to coffeeclatchcrew.com. See what's happening on our website. Check out our Patreon and all the different tiers you could join up. Make sure you keep following us, even when we're in between shows over here. Thank you so much for joining us for the House of the Dragon. Till next time, this round's on me. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at CKC Podcast. And if you'd like to support Jason and Christina and would love even more content, including bonus casts and movie reviews, Join our Patreon at patreon.com slash ckcpodcast. This round is on me.